welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. I'm going to start with prayer because I think that's always the best place to start. And uh, yeah, Father God, Lord, you're a mighty and wonderful God. We thank you that we can truly be here in this place to lift up your word. Father God, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that as I stand here, I stand here as your vessel to speak your word. That, Father God, it would be your spirit that would minister this morning. Father God, I praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All got your hand sanitizer? Make sure that you're keeping clean. Make sure we clean out the word. Okay, so we're going to be carrying on this morning. We've been going through Galatians. Anybody know where we're up to? Galatians 4, excellent. Pardon? Well, not quite four and a half, because Craig actually did four and a quarter. So I've got three quarters to cover today, but that's all right, because uh, we'll manage to get through it. Um, We're going to kick off, as we have done with every other time that we've been going through Galatians, We're going to read, so I encourage for those of you that can to stand with us, and we're going to read through the passage in Galatians 4, and I'm going to invite Nathan up here who's going to read it for us. Before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that don't even exist. So now that you know God, or should I say, now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? You're trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. I fear for you. Perhaps all my hard work with you was for nothing. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things, for I've become like you Gentiles, free from those laws. You did not mistreat me when I was first preached to you, but even though my condition tempted you to reject me, you did not despise or turn me away. No, you took me in and cared for me as though I were an angel from God, or even Christ Jesus himself. Where is that joyful and grateful spirit you felt then? I'm sure you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me if if it had been possible, because I'm telling you the truth. Those false teachers are so eager to win your favor, but their intentions are not good. They're trying to shut you off from me so that you'll pay attention only to them. If someone is eager to do good things for you, that's all right. But let them do it all the time, not just, when it, not just when I'm with you. Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. I wish I were with you right now as I could change my tone. But at this distance, I don't know how else to help you. Tell me, you want to live under the law, but do you want to, the law actually says? The scriptures say that Abraham had two sons, one from his slave wife and one from his freeborn wife. The son of his slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. These two women serve as illustrations of God's two covenants. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai, where people received the law that enslaved them. And now Jerusalem is just like Mount Sinai in Arabia, because she and her children live in slavery to the law. But the other woman, Sarah, represents the heavenly Jerusalem, She's a free woman, and she is our mother. As Isaiah said, Rejoice, O childless woman, you who have never given birth. Break into a joyful shout, you who have 
never been in labor. For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband. And you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of the promise, just like Isaac. But you are now being persecuted by those who want you to keep the law, just as Ishmael, the child by the born by the human effort, persecuted Isaac, the child born by the power of the Spirit. For what do the scriptures say about that? Get rid of the slave and her son, for the son of the slave woman will not share the inheritance with the free woman's son. So dear brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, we are children of the free woman. Good job. Yes, you can all take a seat. We've got to remember, whenever we look at Scripture, whenever we unpack a passage, we've got to do it in context with the whole Bible. Frequently we can get zoned in on people having their favorite Scripture or people having their favorite book, and they read it in kind of seclusion, and they kind of forget there's other bits and pieces out there. Um, Fortunately, there's, um, there's a theme that runs through this part of Galatians, which is actually echoed all the way through the Bible. We see it again and again. And it is this technique of contrasting the kind of dark side of things with the lighter side of things. It's that, that balance of showing, right, okay, there are two different ways you can go, and it's up to you to choose which one you're on. This shouldn't surprise us, those of us that actually understand the nature of God, the nature of the Bible and things, will understand that actually the word, the truth, has been placed in the hearts of man. So we see the echoes of what the Bible says and the contrasts coming through into popular culture. Yeah, we've got the Sith and the Jedi, the Dominion and the Federation. Flows down from, I mean, we've got Xbox and PlayStation. You've got all these different things with the good and the bad, and they play off against each other. The dark and the light, if you will. We get it at Grace Life too. You've got Josh and Scott. You've got Malaga and Ellenbrook. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's, these, it's these things that we get, to, we get to echo, and it's a theme that I'm going to be drawing on quite extensively because it's one that God spoke to me quite a bit about. But if we start, we're going to Galatians 8. Because Craig very well took us through 1-7 last week. And didn't he do an excellent job? Yay. See, he can do more than hide just behind the sound desk. Galatians 4, 8-10 says, Formerly when you did not know, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You're observing special days and months and seasons and years. See, the interesting thing is, and we can see this actually if you look at the world and you begin to understand that, yeah? That those that are in a place where they're under the law, they can't actually see that there's anything else. They've got no awareness that there's anything else. To them, that's all there is. That's their only option. And you can see that from people who haven't embraced the freedom of Christ and the grace that comes with Christ, because whenever they look at those of us who are worshiping Christ, they do it through a lens of, oh, you're just obeying a whole heap of laws. You're just obeying a heap of rules. I see it frequently in social media. Why would you want to become a Christian? You've just got a whole heap of rules to follow. 
Yeah, these sentiments come out, and it's because they're under the law that they can't see anything else. They don't know of any other existence, and they move around, and they bounce about, and they're, they're all in this place, and they don't mind bouncing off walls because there's a boundary between where the dark ends and the light begins. Yeah? And when you're in this place of darkness where you're under the law, when you bounce off boundaries, that's okay because that's how you've constructed your world, that it's a world of boundaries where there are limits. There is only so much supply. It's a place of scarcity. It's a place where there's just enough sometimes. And that's, that's what they're talking about. And when you're in this space, but when Galatians is talking to it, it's saying there's an opportunity to step to the other side. There's an opportunity to step into a place where you're no longer bound by all these rigid boundaries. You're actually in a different space. But Paul's warning us because there are some people who've drawn back into being locked up by the rules and regulations again. Having experienced freedom, they've stepped back in. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17, because this is one of the other things that we get in wrong. We get wrong that the fact that once we, if we've been under the law and we get to step into a place of grace, that the law is no longer of any relevance to us. But Jesus himself in Matthew 5, 17 says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Now, we've got to understand the difference of what this really means. See, the people that are wandering around in here and they'll walk up and they'll bounce off and they'll be knocked back by the boundaries and they'll wander around and eventually if they're bouncing around, they'll get knocked over. And what we forget and what we sometimes don't realize is the boundary between being under the law and be free by grace isn't a wall, it's Jesus himself. And if we don't actually understand that when we get knocked down, when we bounce off the wall enough times that we do eventually end up on our butts, we can either look around for which law or which rule is going to help us get back up, or we can look at the boundary we've bounced off, recognize that it's Jesus himself, and then we'll see that he's there with his hand reaching down to lift us up. Because it's only when Jesus lifts us up, just like and this image from the Sistine Chapel just resonated with me, that whole effort where God is reaching with everything he's got. He's there in that space of grace in heaven. He's reaching down. And Adam's sort of going, well, you can take my hand if you want. Yeah? Jesus is there. He's the boundary between being locked up in that place and being free in grace. And when we actually understand that he's reaching down to take our hand and lift us into grace, it's a phenomenal shift of our perceptions. See, I, I'm good at accomplishing things. I got multiple degrees, I've finished an Ironman, I've done all these different things, I can tick boxes, I can do stuff. I can show how strong and how intelligent and how wonderful I can apply myself to do things. But the beauty about grace is grace has nothing to do with my strength. In fact, grace is the opposite. Grace is all about my weakness. You know, the Bible says that in our weakness, he is stronger. Because when we come to a place where we receive grace, we have to acknowledge, and this is going to hit some of your egos really hard, it's not about you. It doesn't matter whether you're a sinner or you think you're a saint. 
Entry into grace has got no bearings on what you've done. I praise God for that because it was out of over a decade of drug abuse that I was lifted into grace. It wasn't about me. It's not about what I've done. I could bumble about going, right, okay, I've got to tick these boxes. I've got to do all this. That's the only way in. But the Bible's really clear. Actually, God's going to sit there and he's going to wait till you get knocked on your butt and then he's going to reach out his hand and say, are you done trying? How about you just take my hand? How about you just let me lift you into grace? How about you let me lift you into a place where the striving stops and you just recognize that the blessing begins? But as I said, Jesus didn't say that we were to just kind of ignore the law. 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. We only have the capacity to love God because he did reach out his hand and lift us into grace. And if we have never truly received and taken that hand and been lifted into that place, then we're not truly in a place to be able to love God the way that he wants us to and enter into a relationship which is not based on anything other than his love for us. But because we love him, Jesus says in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commands. Now you're thinking, hang on a second, but I've been told I don't have to do that, and now you're telling me that I'm over here and I'm in love and I do have to do that, and what does that mean? See, the beauty is, when we step through, when we get lifted up and lifted into grace, and when we're moving into this space, we're in freedom. We're in complete freedom. But Jesus doesn't want us to take that freedom and just turn our back on the law. He wants us to turn around and see it with a whole new set of eyes. He wants us to look on the law and understand its purpose and understand that actually the stuff that the law tells you to do aren't, is actually good stuff. Yeah, it's, it's actually not a bad thing to not kill people. Right? It's, but when we're, out, when we're not under the kind of pressure from the law, when we step into grace, we look back on it with whole new eyes. You see, when we love someone, we're able to look and we're able to treat and do things for them, not because we're a slave to them, but because they, we want them to know how much we love them. Yeah? We don't, we don't come to a place where we're suddenly bound. I must do this, I must do this, because that's slavery, that's re-entering back into slavery but we're free, but we're free to obey. And that's my first key point, which Scott shamelessly ripped off this morning. Um, we get to obey. We don't have to obey. Yeah? It's an option. We're in a place. Josh, this, um, Scott this morning, I'm getting them confused now. Um, Scott this morning said, was talking about ministering and helping. Yeah? We get to serve. We don't have to. Think about it when you get together with your family, and I don't know about you, but I have got some fairly large family gatherings that we tend to go to from time to time. And the only way to make a large family gathering work, everybody chips in. It's that simple, yeah? 
At no point will anybody think that setting up chairs or making cups of tea is the limit of the calling of God in your life. But it's a great place to start. If you're on that journey where you're learning and you want to step into serving and beginning to freely learn what it is to give of yourself, then doing something simple is the best place to start. And after all, this is the best place to learn. Come and be part of a family where we get to share together. We get to learn what it is to serve one another. That's what, that's what this is supposed to be about. We get to obey. I've been challenged this week, this last uh, week, met with some intercessors that I have that pray for my business and a few others. And they said, you, you're coming to a place where God really wants to challenge you. And every single one of us in this room is at a place where God wants to challenge you. The level of the challenge will be completely different for each and every one of us, and the challenge that he's presenting before us will be completely different. But God constantly wants to challenge each and every one of us because he wants to challenge us to say, right, okay, how far will you go? How much do you love me? Not for our benefit, but the more that we are evidenced that we love God, the more he can use us to show his love to the world. And that's what God wants more than anything. He wants to find out where are the people I can shine my light brightest into this world. Because if you remember and you read in Timothy, what is God's ultimate desire? That all shall be saved and come to know God. He doesn't want anyone lost. His heart is for each and every one of his creations to enter into salvation and spend eternity with him. In Galatians 4, 17, it says, those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good, what they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, not just when I'm with you. Paul identifies something here that actually Jesus himself talked about. That there will be people who will come along and they will look really influential. They will look like they're really the type of people you should listen to. But all they're trying to do is get you to do what they want. Yeah? And they'll be in the church too. Okay? You've got to remember the whole point of coming into church is that we are moved into a place of greater deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. This is not about becoming a follower of me or a grace life disciple. We're here to become disciples of Jesus Christ. And if anybody ever tells you anything different, then the best thing you can do is say, have a nice day and walk away. Okay, we're not here to build our own empires. The only thing that we're on this planet to do is to help other people understand how amazing God is, to receive his love and see his kingdom grow. In 1 Corinthians 1.12, Paul says, what I mean is this, one of you says I follow Paul and another I follow Apollos, another I follow Cephas, and still another I follow Christ. Cephas obviously is the name for Peter. Yeah? 
or Rocky, as they would have called him. Paul, and I love what Paul carries on, because he actually flows on from this, and he goes, you know something, I hear you saying all this stuff, all of you in Corinthian going, no, I'm with this guy, and I'm with this guy, and, I'm, and Paul's going, you know something, I thank God that I only baptized two of you. I thank God that there's only two of you that are, go, that are in any way going to go, well, I'm, I'm one of Paul's disciples, because you're not one of my disciples. We're all disciples of Jesus. Whether, I've, whether I'm the person that helped you connect into that or somebody else did is irrelevant. He's who we're discipled to, not each other. Okay? <coughs> and with that, I, um, I came to know Jesus in the Perth Hills back in 1999. It was July 25th. Um, and I was in a house called Berea. And God made it very clear to me that that was part of what he wanted on my life. In Acts 17.11, Paul tells us, we're told that now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. That's, that's what Christ wants for us. That we don't just go, oh, well, it was said in church, or that person was on a big screen when they said it, so it must be true, we must just take it. God actually says, look, I'm, I'm entrusting each of you to have the intelligence to pick up this book, to search it, and ask and confirm for yourselves. Yeah, we're called to be in a place whereby we're not a bunch of mindless drones who just follow. The one thing that I can tell you about each and every person who will ever preach on a stage or ever speak into your life, there's a verse that describes them. And it says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Yeah? So test it, get into the word, connect with it, draw it, challenge. Yeah? Be prepared to have that ongoing dialogue that says, look, this is, what I've been, this is what I've been taught. Does it measure up to what your word says, Lord? Because when we're in grace, we can go, oh, it doesn't matter. We're all good. Everything's cool now. But we're still on a journey. I don't know anybody called Enoch here. No, because he went home as soon as he was, God was finished and declared that actually you've done enough here. There's nothing more for you to do. I reckon if you're still here, then God's not finished with you yet. Yeah? So let's be mindful of that. We are in grace. We are, we are in a sense of freedom, but we're still on a journey. The path is still narrow, and so is that gate we're aiming for. So we still got to make sure that we're staying on target. And this is the only compass that works. Yeah? Doesn't matter how good your GPS system is, that can go faulty. That will never go faulty. He finishes up by in Galatians 4.19. He says, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Each of us needs to find or be people like Paul here. He declares, My concern for you is not just randomly as someone who I can say, There's another good stat for me. Look how good I am but it's as a father caring for a child. It's as someone who's looking down and going, 
I genuinely care whether, you're, whether your success is there. I care what's going on. I care where you're at. I want to see you prosper. And I don't care whether it's under my umbrella or not. I just want to see you fully reach what God has made you to be. Because as, as we're talking about, we're here to reach, raise, and release. Well, the releasing is helping you find the fullness of who God has made you to be, whether that's here or somewhere else. As long as you know, you understand that you walk with God, and as you walk into that, you embrace everything that he has for you. Which brings me to my second point that we all need to, and this has been mentioned a few times over several weeks, but if we don't get this, then we're never truly in a place of grace. We are sons and daughters of God. We are not followers of men. When you understand that, when you understand, and it's interesting because uh, the Bible very clearly tells us there are parts of the Bible that we just will not be able to understand at all until the given time. And for some of us, that's a given time in our life where we come to a level of experience. For those of you that don't have children, you can never comprehend what it is to love a child. You just can't, because you've never done it. You know what it is to be loved by a parent, hopefully, but you can't comprehend what it is to love a child. But then there comes a time in your life when you suddenly get that revelation, and when it hits you, it hits you like a rock. You mean this is how God has loved me all along? This is how God thinks of me. This is how God feels for me. Carrying on in Galatians 4, and I'm just going to read from 22 to 23, but effectively from verse 22 on to the end of the chapter, he uses this illustration, and he's talking about the two sons of Abraham. Yeah, And he starts drawing out the illustration. But it says, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and one by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but his son by the free woman was born as the result of a divine promise. It's interesting. Craig talked on adoption last week, and he talked on the nature of biblical adoption. Adoption is a subject that I'm intimately familiar with. Um, God took me through an incredible journey when we adopted our two sons. And it was a phenomenal journey of revelation of what adoption really means. But one of the things that most people don't understand about adoption is that when you get adopted, just as we have been when we've stepped into this place of grace, we've been adopted fully into the family of God, that actually when they adopt you, they go right back to the very first document that concerns you, your birth certificate, and they rewrite it. So that on the day that you're adopted, your entire history has changed so that you were never not part of the family. It's a phenomenal thing. And we step into it and we get an understanding and we begin to go, right, okay, where, where are you taking us, God? And I, um, but there is a warning. When we step into grace, there are some people that go, 
tick that box, now I can go and do what I like, covered by grace. There's a sentiment that goes around once saved, always saved. That actually once you've ticked that box, once you've said the prayer, um, which I'm still to find in scripture, um, but once you've said the prayer, then you're all good forever. And sadly, I have seen and I know people who are under that misconception and as a result, they live their lives in a way that are completely indistinguishable from the world around them. Sometimes they're worse. In Hebrews 6, 4, it says, It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and there is no greater gift than the grace of God, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. This whole thing about moving into grace is not the hokey-cokey. Yeah, we can't go in and out and in and out as it suits us based on where we think we want to be and what looks most fun at the time. It's a serious transition to a new way of living, to being a new creation, to being something completely different than was ever before. I wanna draw back to the analogy and just kinda wind up with, with a rather personal analogy as we move towards the end. We've talked about this dark and light. Now I mentioned that I have two adopted sons. Most people don't know that we have two sons. And um, we adopted them both on the same day. Blood-born brothers. And they came in to be part of our family. God spoke to me very clearly when I was in Dhaka City in Bangladesh and he said, give up your international traveling job. Give up that career and return to this city to become a father to these two boys and to be involved in business and prayer ministry in this city. So I did. I got straight online, applied for a job. I knew God's hand was on it because by the time I turned up on day one for the job, I'd already been promoted. <laughs> and, which is absolutely true. And just shows God's hand. When God's hand's on it, God's hand's on it. And so we did. And we went through a long, and yes, Greg, very expensive legal battle. I think your financial figures were a little low based on my experience, but uh, then on the 2nd of January in 2015, on their day off, a judge decided to end their holiday early to go in so that they could sign off the adoption of our sons. So we started that year in an incredible way. And we had two amazing years where we were all together and then something really sad happened. My eldest son, he decided that he no longer wanted to be a part of this family. He no longer wanted me as his father. And so he rejected us and he walked away. And he walked out of where we were and back into every situation we believed we had saved him from. 
he had chosen to walk away. Now, the interesting thing, and the reason I give this analogy is, I'm standing here as his father, and I have not stopped the desire to bless him, to love him, to provide for him, to see that his needs are met, and to see that he's engaged. But he's decided to put himself in a place where he cannot receive any of that. He has decided to exclude himself. So when the Bible is very clear <clears throat> that when we come to a place where we accept Jesus, Jesus will love us forever. He loves you before you accept him, right? That's the truth. And there's nothing you can do that's going to stop him loving you. But you can choose to put yourself in a place where you can't receive that blessing, where you can't receive what that comes with where you can't receive the engagement and the understanding and the ongoing love and embrace of the Heavenly Father. But remember, that's our choice, not his. My other son still stays with us. And he reads quite well, too. <laughs> but we have that contrast, and that's a real contrast that exists in our life. What's really going to blow you away, and it blows me away every time I think of this, but it's absolutely true. One son chose a name which means nobody. And the other son chose a name which means son of man. The choice is ours. Wherever you are, Wherever, whichever place that God's got you, you can choose to move into grace or you can choose to move away from it. See, even making the choice, God doesn't come along and clamp you down and go, right, you've made the choice, you're chained up on this side now. You still have the freedom. As Scott said, who the Son sets free is free indeed. And that means you're still free to make really stupid decisions. Okay? That's, that's the truth. But remember, your loving fa Heavenly Father doesn't want you to. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to grow. He wants you to prosper. He wants to see every piece of blessing poured into your life that he's got stored up for you. Um, some of you may have read the book, The Prayer of Jabez. There's a great section in that where he talks about the fact that he believes that one of the things that's going to hit us most when we get to heaven is the full realization of all the abundant blessings God wanted, us to, wanted to give us, but we were just too blind to receive. Your heavenly Father loves you. He loves you so much. Yeah. He loves you so much that he sent his one begotten son to die for you. Galatians 4.31, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. His arms are open, his heart is open. We must still choose, and we must make that choice daily. Every morning we got the opportunity to step up and step in, or to turn our back and walk the other way. Every morning we have that choice. You see, we get to choose whether we live in the light or we live in the darkness. That choice is up to us. We get to choose. We get to choose where we're at. We get to choose on which side that will fall. <clears throat> but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord.
If you're in this place and you're not sure whether you're banging about in all the boundaries in the darkness or you've stepped into the light, can I encourage you? Get sure. I'd invite you if you're in a place where you want to be in that place of freedom, that you want to embrace, you want to engage, you want to step into a fullness of knowing God's love, knowing that you wake to the embrace of God every single day, then I encourage you to reach in and just take a hold of the hand that's already outstretched for you. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's there. He's waiting for us just got to let men. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.